So the first one, figure out everything that you've ever wanted in this life and write down how much money each one of those costs on a monthly basis. And that's your get out of the rat race number. I think once you actually get it on paper and it's just not a thought, it's so much easier to achieve. Second one, you need to implement 75 hard. So you have that consistency and that discipline to actually hit those numbers because you become laser focused, pretty much tunnel vision on how to actually get there when you go into that program. And that's how I was able to build this co-hosting business so quickly. The third one is figure out what your why is. You actually have to like really want this has to be the most important thing to you in this entire life. And if that's the case, then there's no doubt in my mind that you'll achieve what you're looking for. This is the Fit Investor Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more holistic life of being fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully. We'll be joined by experts in all these areas to share their experiences and actionable and practical tips so that you can be a fit investor too. So now let's join our hosts, Kale Delaney, Wesley Whitehead, and Brenna Carls. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Fit Investor Podcast. So I'm your co-host, Kale, and here is my other co-host, the bearded man, Mr. Wesley Hello. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Austin Palacios. So Austin, he has a background in wealth management where he began his investing career in Chicago at the age of 24. Since now moved to West Palm Beach where he lives and invests and his current portfolio consists of properties in Chicago, North Carolina, West Palm Beach, and Hollywood, Florida. He's also the managing partner of the Lux Co-host, which focuses on co-hosting luxury properties around South Florida. And over the past 90 days, he's been able to bring properties under his team's management that will gross over one and a quarter million in revenue. Austin is passionate about helping new investors escape their nine to five. So wonderful. And thank you for joining us, Austin. We appreciate you taking the time here. And we see you out there on the social media, flashing those sparkly white teeth. So come on, man, give us the secrets. Let's start there. How do we get the white teeth? <laughs> All right, Kel, Wes, thank you both for having me on today. I'm excited to get into my story and explain how these teeth got so white, but I'll go ahead and start there as you asked. To give you a little bit of background to these, to these teeth is I was, I was in middle school one day and I was taking the bus home and the prettiest girl in the whole school, she had the whitest teeth. And I just remember I sat next to her one day on the bus and I just said, Hey, like, how do you get your teeth so white? And she's just like, have you ever heard of Crest White Strips? And then from that day on, it was a game changer. I've been using Crest White Strips ever since. <laughs> that was your new pickup line for women ever since. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <That's> excellent. <laughs> it's a slight tangent there, but had to do it. So why don't, you, why don't you tell us more, man? You started out at 24 in Chicago, wealth management background. What got you into investing or wanting to leave that wealth management? What was your, what's your deal? Yeah, man, of course. So I went to college in Miami and I had a, a job lined up out, out of college called like a wealth management development program based in Chicago. And before I was moving up to Chicago, I had a little bit of a like six month stint. So I moved to West Palm and I was being a valet down here. So in my, my slow time, I would listen to this podcast called Bigger Pockets, right? And I would just listen to it and just take in as much knowledge as possible. And then I moved up to Chicago, start my role. 
I'm in the role for probably two or three months. And then I just start saying to myself, I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing. There has to be a way to get out of this and find an escape, right? So I start brainstorming all these different ideas, like creating, I don't know, like a new business, creating anything that I could possibly put my mind to. And then one day I'm just walking from the train, which is the loop to work. And I just have this aha moment, right? So I'm looking around at all these different people, my age, people that are 40, 50, 60, all doing the same thing as me, going to their, doing the job and then just going home and then just repeating that process until Friday comes around. And I just said, Hey, look, like I can't ever have this happen to me. I got to figure out a way to get out of this. So instead of me recreating something, I'm just going to follow a blueprint and the real estate was that blueprint. And then I just started engulfing more of bigger pockets. So I went to every single meetup around town, Monday through Friday. I didn't have a car in Chicago, so I would take a train an hour each way, go to these meetups and just learn and just network with all these investors that had so much more knowledge than me. And then I would ask these people to grab coffee. So over the next four months or so, I just learned as much as I possibly could, read the Bird Book by David Green, great book if anybody hasn't read it yet. And then I was able to get all this knowledge and understand how my numbers actually worked. And it led me to find my first deal in Chicago, which was a, it's called a three flat in Chicago or a triplex through down here in Florida. So what I did is I was able to utilize an owner-occupied loan at 5% down and then move into the loan, do a massive rehab, force that appreciation, and then pull out a decent amount of cash, right? And then I use that cash to, to fund my future deal. To go back to your actual question, it really was just seeing that I wanted something different out of life. I just didn't want to have to retire at 65 and then just start living. So a little bit about the background there. <clears throat> wow. And this, so you had that revelation more or less, how old were you? Yeah. So I, at that point in time, I was 23 when, when I started learning about real estate and then I bought my first property at 24. Wow. That's awesome, man, <laughs> because so many people at that, and myself included, at that age were not really thinking so much about the future. And when I was at that age, I wanted to make money. And I, right out of college, I started working in commercial real estate sales because I, real estate that makes money didn't quite work out that way. But that I was thinking in the immediate moment. I wasn't thinking, I need to start investing. I need to start building wealth. I need to do all these things. So was there something... I don't know, in the way you were brought up or something that kind of inspired you to change that mindset a little bit, or that's just how you were thinking from the beginning. Yeah. So I think I always, I had a great boss, don't get me wrong, but like growing up, I always, I'm putting myself out there. I always like had an issue with people like telling me what to do. If I have to be at my job at a certain time, if I can't take time off. So it was really that actual freedom that boiled everything down to me. I, I got brought up in a, a lower middle income like family. We didn't really have that much money. My parents had me very young. So there, there wasn't really that much of a background there as far as finances go, but I just knew I always wanted something different. I wanted to be in charge of my own life, my own destiny. And I really like actually thought about this. I feel like a lot of people really don't think about the fact, like if you get a job, your salary base and you get increased by 5% each year. So it's very, like, yeah. yeah, it's very minimal. So like $2,000, $3,000, you create a business or start buying real estate, you buy one property a year, it's going to be way more than 5% in increased revenue. So it's just all about how you really think about it at the end of the day. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I've been thinking about that a lot recently as well. And that, yeah, just like you said, when you're salary based, you're 
income is fixed and your upside is fixed more or less, right? Besides maybe the occasional promotions and that type of thing, but more or less, you're on a pretty linear path of where you're going to be versus being an entrepreneur in whatever type of business or e even in sales roles and stuff like that, your income is up to you, right? Right now I'm looking for additional revenue streams. So now I'm looking at, okay, let's start doing some co-hosting. Let's start doing some consulting. So I can say, I want, if I want to increase my revenue, okay, I'm going to do it versus if you're still in a W2 world, unless you're doing a side hustle or something, you know, you're stuck. That that's it. That 3% or whatever it is raise that you're going to get per year is all you're going to get. So kudos to you for having that mindset from the very beginning. Cause like I said, that's, it's a rare thing, especially for people of that age to be able to think that profoundly and think that much into the future and take those big leaps. And then especially buying a threeplex in Chicago when you're 24, which I can't imagine was that cheap, but you did it the right way. You house hacked it, you rehabbed it. And now you were able to pull out a bunch of equity and start off your career. Can you run us a little bit through like how you found that first deal and a little bit of the details on it? Yeah, of course. So when I was looking, I was very aggressive with my rehab that I wanted to do. We, we went in a whole lot of different neighborhoods to look at the time. And I remember I had a girlfriend at that time and she was going to move into the, the house with me. And I remember one of the first properties that we looked at was in a neighborhood called McKinley Park, which is a gentrified neighborhood. It's Hispanic. It's similar to Lake Worth. It's not bad. I went there and the pictures looked way better than the actual house. I remember Dude, we, we went in there and there was like a sink and a bathtub, but there was like no cabinets or anything. It was like pretty much already gutted, really right. disgusting. And then uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we're walking out of the house and she just starts crying. She's like, we're not moving in there. Relax. It's going to be okay. Pretty much like what ended up happening is I was utilizing like Redfin, right? So Redfin. For people don't, that don't know, it feeds in from the MLS. So you don't really need to be a, an agent or a broker to get access to Redfin. Right. So pretty much I had my criteria set up, my purchase price, the number bathrooms that I wanted, and then the number of bedrooms as well. So in Chicago, you have these, there, there's like a, there's like a certain like criteria, right? That you have, the ceilings have to be, I think nine feet or nine and a half feet tall to be considered like a triplex. But what I found was a duplex that had a basement with a front door and a back door that I was able to make an additional unit out of it. Okay. So for my criteria, I made sure I had three bathrooms. So one for each floor, as well as at least seven bedrooms. So you have three on the top, two on the middle, and then two in the basement. So with having that criteria set in Redfin, as soon as those hit the market, I was able to jump on it. So that same day, remember the house went to the market for like $320,000. I put an offer for three twenty one. Then we locked it up the next day, like automatically. So I just jumped on it very quickly. And once you know what you want or what you're looking for, you're able to move quickly. So, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> glad I was just going to touch on that as well. Yeah. Setting your buy box, being clear on your goals and your criteria, which I was just talking with somebody else about that earlier this week. That was, that's new and looking to get into short-term rentals. And she was saying, man, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. There's just so, not only is there so much information, there's so many markets. I don't even know where to start. And so that's critical is narrowing down. You got to pick something. You got to pick a market. You got to know your price range and you got to pick that criteria. You had it very strict of, okay, bedrooms, this area, there we go. Bam. And you found a deal. And then for, real quick, for those of us who are not real estate guys, like Kale is, can you explain a little more about how you did that down payment, how that financing worked out. Yeah, absolutely. So 
It's called, it's called an owner-occupied loan, 5% conventional down loan. I don't know the exact term for it. If you reach out to a lender, they can let you know. I can't remember the name off, off my head, but pretty much it looks like as long as you live in that property for a whole year, you're able to put down 5% and move into one of those units. And then the other units, you're able to rent. And then whenever you either you refinance or you move out or you buy another property, you can use, I believe it's 70 to 75% of the gross rents in the actual property to offset the current debt. So that debt comes off of your actual income or your DTI, debt to income ratio. And then you're able to then buy another property a year later. So okay. you put you put 5% down and then roughly it's, I would say 3% in closing costs. Right? Okay. No, Thank that's you. Awesome. Appreciate that. And then what, uh, if you don't mind sharing, what did you, you said you sold it or you refinanced it and just pulled the money out? Yeah. So I refinanced it. So it's pretty crazy. Like I bought it in March and then November time. I refinanced it for four seventy five, so hundred and sixty thousand dollars in equity or so. So, was able to pull that out and then funnel that into the next deal. Awesome. And how much did you spend on the rehab? I did it as cheaply as possible. I found. So what happened is in the beginning, I had a I had a buddy who was my agent, but he was an also a contractor. So I was paying him a ridiculous amount of money in the contractor fees to do the rehab. And then I was just like, dude, this is a lot. And then I found a handyman, which was like 40% of the cost I was paying him to do it. So all, all in, I probably paid, I don't know, like 30,000, 35,000, 40,000 tops. Nice. More so, than that. So still was 130, 140,000 of equity or so in what, six months? So yeah, exactly like that. So that, again, this is the beauty of real estate. Something relatively simple like that. It can have a tremendous impact because that set you off for the rest of your career and where you are right now and doing it like that, because this is the other objection that, or excuse or challenge that you get so much is it takes so much money to get into real estate. What you just showed is it really doesn't look at that 5% down on a $300,000 home, right? That's plus some closing costs. So you're in for less than 20 grand, right? Yeah. You rent to that property. And so again, people just listen to that. If you're young or you're newer and you don't have a lot of money, there are options out there. There's programs out there. Do something like that where you house hack it, you rehab it, and then you refinance it. That's a tremendous strategy right there. So after you refinance, you pulled out of that equity. What was your next step? Yeah. So the next step was about a property down. So I was looking for, I had moved back to West Palm during COVID. So I was looking for most of my family down here. But most of my family is extremely expensive down here. South Florida compared to Chicago. And the numbers didn't really work. So I was doing a long-term up there. I was trying to do long-term down here. And uh, in Chicago, I was cash flowing like $2,000 a month from all my tenants once I left. And I'm trying to hit those same numbers in South Florida and it's just not happening. So I had an agent at the time who was investing in short-term rentals and she was making a ridiculous, she was making a killing. And I looked at her numbers and I was just like, dude, this is insane. I need to find one of these. So the next property I found, it's a three bedroom, two bath house with a pool, had a great decor on the outside, Florida style home, bought that for 420,000. And then in the first year that property grows 120 to $125,000 in, in gross. And then after our expenses and paying the mortgage, we kept probably half of that. So awesome. That's awesome. Is that the one, is that the one that you have the meetups at? No. So that's a different house. It's a different house. So, yeah. So the first one was a little bit smaller. 13, 40 square feet, three bedrooms, two bath, pool, pretty much open floor plan. And then we converted the, uh, the garage to a game room. So gotcha. that was a quick thing that we did. So. 
there you go. So another example, looking for opportunities, converting a garage to a game room or building out a garage or utilizing any of that wasted space to, to optimize, especially in the short-term rental world is key. So that's awesome, man. So really good home run deals there. And now you're doing the co-hosting. What got you to start that? Or how did you, and you partner on that? So how did you, how did that come about? Yeah, of course. I think as the market compresses right now and interest rates are going higher, it's very challenging to make these deals work from what we saw two years ago. So I'm still looking to buy right now, the same as you, but from a revenue standpoint, you charge 20% off of a, the gross amount that a property makes usually. So say a property makes $100,000 and then you're charging 20%, you're making $20,000 just in income from no money out of pocket and right. pretty much just managing guest communication operations and everything like that. So it just was a mindset shift in like the current market that we're going into. Uh, honestly, it's a great way to learn. It's your way, great way to get involved. The beginning of this year, I was like putting together all the details and thinking about how the structure of this company would work. And then I was partnered a little bit in the beginning with this other guy who brought me a deal. And the thing that really caused an issue with me and him is the fact that he just didn't have enough time. Like he would say, yes, you do something and then he just wouldn't get it done. And that would be following up with them, following up with them. And then it just would never get done. My business partner today, her name is Hannon, incredible rock star. She's been in the short-term rental business since 2015. Great person. So I was just calling her one day. I was just explaining like the difficulties I was having with my current partner. And she's like, hey, we can do this together. And I just said, all right, well, that solves my issue. I love working with you. I think you know your stuff. So it just worked out really well. And from that point, when we started working together, it's probably been 80 days. And the past 80 days, she handles all operations, all onboarding, all guest communication. And then I just focus on sales and acquisitions of new clients. Yeah. And then within the past 80 days, we brought on 12 properties and then we're onboarding like two more right now. Wow. But we're really focused on properties that are going to gross at least $80,000 minimum, but we're hoping to find them with $100,000 in income. Right. So when you take 20% off the top of that, it just is a substantial amount of income and barely any, barely any expenses, right? And profit margins are huge. So we just brought on two properties that I posted on social media a couple of days ago. Last year, they did $580,000 gross wow. and we were able to convert them over to our property management because they weren't happy with their prior property manager at the time. So that's awesome. That's impressive. Shoot. 12, you said 12 properties in the last 80 days. Yes. That's, that's awesome. So how were you, excuse me, how are you marketing or how are you finding these? Kind of yeah. So the best way, and a lot of people don't like doing this, but with any business from what I found is the fastest way to bring on new clients, instead of selling, sending emails, instead of selling like mailers, the best way that I found traction is cold calling. So I'll scrape data from the MLS for long-term rentals that are currently furnished that have been on the market for at least 30 days that are in non-HOA communities. I scrape that data that I uploaded into my CRM and that is called directly. So usually you're getting hold of the broker, but the brokers have the listing for forever. And majority of these luxury properties, they don't really care about the commission because their main thing is they like selling four or $5 million properties and they're just doing this to help out their client at that time. So they're more than happy to make the connection between me and the owner. And then that's just how I've been able to do it. And some of the owners are ridiculously successful. There's this guy in Hollywood that we're taking on his property right now. And he's starting 
it's a hundred million dollar fund right now. So he's just buying single family homes all over South Florida. So he's going to beat all those to us. So it's just, it's great. One phone call can lead to a crazy connection. That's awesome. That's incredible. Have you, since this uh, co-hosting venture is relatively new, has you, have you received any like pushback in terms of when you're trying to sell or bring on the client and they're asking for, Hey, how many other properties have you been co-host or how long have you been doing this? Have you been receiving those objections at all or? Oh yeah, definitely. So if you look up the Lux co-hosts on Google, you'll see it was founded 70 days ago. So you have that objection that you're always going to deal with. But what we do is like I was saying before, Hannon's been in business since 2015. I say, Hey, look, like you can, we've been in business for over eight years, managing our own properties and investing in short-term rentals. You're not going to find a property manager that invests in short-term rentals that hasn't been investing for that long as well. You could go to Vacasa or you could go to Evolve, but you're not going to have that hands-on approach and that revenue management that we can bring you. And then just lay out the details. Like our biggest why or biggest selling point is, hey, look, I invest in this asset class too. I know what works and what doesn't work. And I can give you advice to make sure your property is making the most income possible. Yeah, that's awesome. This is, these are gems here for anybody, anybody listening. If you're looking to get into co-hosting, Austin just literally laid out a strategy for doing that. That's awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that. Of course. So what's your long-term plan then? It's just still build the co-hosting and your grow your own portfolio at the time. Are you planning to stick in short-term rentals? Or are you looking to diversify at all or kind of what's your outlook? Yeah, so I can, I can give you like the three year and then the 10 year plan, what we, what we want to accomplish. So I want to buy one more property, single family this year, make it a short term rental. And then the goal is to end this year with 37 properties under management hmm. and then eventually hire an operations manager or sales manager to pretty much take me at hand in out of the business. And then towards probably I say about September, the time this year, we're, we're in the works of building out a, a course and a mastermind program for people that, that want to get into co-hosting. So if you look on social media right now, and I'm sure you see this a lot, but there's all these young kids who want to do Airbnb arbitrage. And honestly, me and Hannah, we don't believe in that model just because of regulations and having to deal with the current owners. It's just a huge headache. There's not that much upside. And then you have to still pay maybe like 15 grand to get into that actual house to play furnishings or so on and so forth. So. Our course is going to be based around co-hosting, right? So you don't have to have any property. You don't have to have the upcome amount to furnish the property. You're pretty much just running the property as efficiently as possible and solving the issue that the actual client doesn't have to manage it themselves and then they get their time back. So that's what our coaching program is going to be about. And we're probably going to roll it out sometime in September and then have a mastermind tied around that as well. That's right. That's the, uh, the Medellin mastermind. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's my passion project. Awesome. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. Awesome. That's super cool. Really big plans. And all of this, throughout all of this, I hope everyone has heard, Austin has been consistent and disciplined in everything he's done. And that's why he's gotten to where he's at. That's why he's successful. That's why he's able to do these multiple businesses and have these pretty big goals here. And sounds like he's very well on track to accomplishing them. Uh, because he's setting those goals, he's backing into what he needs to do. And then he's taking that consistency and discipline to make it happen. And one of the things we, we talk about here, being that we talk about how to be fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully is that consistency and discipline is critical in all areas of life. 
right? Not just in your business, but in, in your fitness, in your faith as well. So why don't we touch on that? Why don't we talk on your fitness? How, how does this consistency and discipline play into that? Or is that where it comes from? What, what gives you that, that ability to be like that? Yeah, for sure. Great question. Great question. So last year, I really struggled with consistency and discipline to the degree that I wanted to be at. And so what ended up happening at the beginning of this year, a lot of people have probably heard of it, but there's a challenge called 75 hard, which consists of pretty much incredible discipline, incredible consistency for 75 days. And just to name a few different things, drink a gallon of water a day. You have one workout inside, one workout out, outside, 45 minutes each. You read 10 pages of a book a day. You have to follow a diet, no cheat meals at all. And then the second program is like cold showers, implementing those as well. And so I wanted to go ahead and add that into my routine as well. But there's one or two other things I'm missing. Oh, and I cut out alcohol too. Sorry about that. So pretty much what ended up happening is when you're following a routine and you're disciplined, you have so much more time on your hands and you're doing one thing every single day consistently. It compounds and it builds and it makes you and builds you into somebody that you've never seen before when you look in the mirror. And so when I started 75 hard, it, it was definitely challenging in the beginning. And the years prior, I, I lacked discipline. And I think the biggest thing from 75 hard where my lack of discipline came is alcohol, right? So I would drink on the weekends, but when I cut out alcohol, my mind was way clearer. And then the things that I had planned to do the following week always seemed to happen. With myself going to the gym, it built me up mentally as well. So your confidence grows, right? So as you're in the gym, you're working out, you're getting stronger, you're getting bit bigger, you're looking better, your confidence grows and you start telling yourself you can pretty much achieve whatever you put your mind to. So I think a lot of people don't really put enough emphasis on confidence and discipline. Like they think they're confident, they think they're disciplined, but you really break that down to like, all right, I say I'm going to do this. Did I actually do it or did it get pushed off a month later? If it's something hard and I don't feel like doing it, am I going to push through and still do it? Yeah, exactly. It's the hard stuff that makes you a better person and makes you more successful in your business, your relationship and your friendships as well. So do the hard things today because those are what's going to end up paying off in the long run. Yeah. And you mentioned something really good there and that those consistent actions, no matter how small they are, they compound. And so it. Just because you think it's something small and ugh, if I don't do that today, that's no big deal. It's going to compound for the positive or for the negative, right? Exactly. If you keep putting it off, it's going to be, it's going to turn into something bigger in a bad way. If you push through and you keep doing it, it's going to turn into something bigger in a good way. So that's, yeah, that's a brilliant way of looking at it. And you say the 75 hard program, I've heard about that a lot about that recently, actually. Is that like a new program that's out there or it's, because it seems like it's popular now. I think it started maybe like a year and a half ago. I uh, can't remember the guy whose name, I think it's Andy is his first name and last name sort of an F or so, but he started it and everybody swears by it, man. It's just yeah. so crazy. Like my discipline, my consistency lacks so much before I started that program. And then now, even when I'm off the program, just, yeah, I could be doing so much more if I was just on that program again. Did you, cause one thing I heard, somebody else just recently mentioned it. But one thing I heard was that if you miss a day or if you don't complete a day you have to start over is that exactly so you don't want to miss that day <laughs> <laughs> did, yeah, you complete, that day. did you complete the 75 i did i oh, did awesome nice very cool 75 cold showers oh my god <laughs> yeah i did not take a cold shower for 75 or a warm shower for 75 days yeah i got used to it though yeah and 
quick tangent on that, but it's like the cold plunge and that stuff, that's all super popular now as well. Whether it's cold plunge or cold showers, it's like the first 30 seconds is usually the like horrible part. That's where you're just like, gosh, this is awful. But after that, you get used to it like really quick. And then you're like, yeah. all right, it's fine. Well, for <laughs> yeah. those 75 days, it's just not hot showers. So technically you could just not shower for 75 days, right? Technically. <laughs> I guess you could. <laughs> Wait, you're kind of loophole for those reasons. <laughs> After having completed that now, do you have, are you continuing to do any of those things that were part of it? Or do you have your own like morning routine? What's your exercise or exercise regimen now? Yeah, for sure. So every morning I usually still wake up, take a cold shower in the morning because it just it gets me focused for the day right. and then i'm sorry before i take the cold shower in the morning i like to meditate and focus on my breath breathing work so i said the beginning of my bed and just sit there for seven and a half minutes just focus on my breathing and then for another seven and a half minutes i visualize where i want my life to be this year five years ten years or so on i just have a clear picture and the reason i meditate in the morning as soon as i wake up it's because I read this book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And they say the best time to meditate is like when it's, when you're still like in your subconscious from sleeping. So as soon as you wake up, that's the best time to have the best meditation for like visualization. So I used to take the cold shower, then meditate, but then I switched around. So after I meditate, then I take the cold shower and then I get ready for my day. I work throughout the day. And then usually around, depends on the day, if I have a meetup or if I have a networking event, it's, I go to the gym from either five o'clock or 7.30. I'll, I'll warm up on the treadmill, then I'll get my workout in, and then I go straight to the sauna for at least 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, and then I repeat the pro whole process again the next day. Nice. Yeah, so similar type routine that I do, different. I do the gym in the mornings and stuff after the meditation and breath work and all that, but the visualization, that's something that I don't do, and I hear how beneficial it is, so that is something that, I need to add into my routine there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th I think it's great because you're telling yourself like who you want to be as right. in now. So I tell myself every morning, you're a disciplined individual, you're consistent, you drive this car, you live here, your business is at this level. This is your future with your family, what it looks like. And you're telling yourself that's who you are already, even though you haven't been there yet. So your mind starts thinking like that individual person that you're telling yourself every morning. Right. So it gets you so much closer. And not only that, so the visualization, the vision boards, stuff goes hand in hand and setting your goals. When you do that stuff, when you put it on paper or you speak it out loud, it, it helps manifest itself in your mind, just like you said. And your mind goes from a point of, let's say, for example, there's a, say, whatever, I want to be or I want to have 37 co-hosting properties by the end of this year, right? To a lot of people, that's going to be like, oh my gosh, that's a big goal. Like, how am I going to do that? And your brain's going to automatically start talking yourself out of it versus you put that down, you put it out there. Now your mind's going to shift to, okay, how do I achieve that? So exactly. this whole different mental, mental switch there that, that goes off, which I think is key and why I circled that in my notebook here, because I need to start doing that. That's a big thing. So that's awesome that you do that. And uh, I, what do you think about the cold plunges? I haven't done one. I want to do one so bad. It's just, I don't even have a bathtub in my house or my apartment. It's just a straight shower for cold showers. So I gotta, I gotta do one. I know there's one at Lifetime. I don't know if you've been up there yet, but where's that? Palm Beach Gardens. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I was just another tangent here. I was just this morning, I was dreaming about how the gym having a cold plunge because I was doing legs today and on leg days, man, it's like my body gets so overheated. Like when I'm in the middle of doing those workouts, like I'm fantasizing about like a cold plunge or jumping into an ice cold river or something. It's just, I wish they had one. So I'm going to have to, that's a little far for me to go up there, but that's just, I'm going to have to make that a business here. Like they have saunas and cold plunges, like a health club and that would be awesome. So there used to be one down in, it was all the way down in Miami beach. It was like this Russian bathhouse. Okay. It, it had all, it was at, you know, like a hotel right on the beach. Um, but it had all that. It was actually had this hot tub that was actually continually being filled with fresh seawater and it had all the hot and cold rooms, like all this different stuff. It was, it was really cool. I think it shut down several years ago or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, right. Beyond that, I hadn't seen anything. What was that? I wonder why it's a Russian, the Russian, the Russian <laughs> on the beach in, my, in Florida is going to be yeah, not long lived. <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. There needs to be, there needs to be something. And, uh, and actually you'll like this, Austin. One of my friends from church here were, I'm helping him set up his first STR right now at a property he owns here in West Palm. And we are going to be actually set, making it like a resort style property. So we're putting in the sauna, we're putting in the cold plunge, we're putting in a pool. So we're going to make it, make it really cool here. It's going to be great. Looking yeah. forward to seeing how that comes out. Yeah. So it should be really cool. So that's great. So I, again, just a very disciplined, a very consistent program and lifestyle that you have here. And it just makes me keep going back to how important those attributes are and everything that we do, because with everything that is going on, and especially once you become an entrepreneur and you're responsible for your own structure of your day. If you don't have that discipline, you're going to quickly find yourself letting those small things slide and compound to the negative, right? To, to your detriment. So getting that consistently discipline in some area of your life to get it started, right? Whether it's fitness, that's what helps you get and start building those attributes. That's going to be huge because that's going to carry over to all these different, excuse me, all these different aspects of your life and just really help set you up for success. So that's awesome that you're able to do that. And I know we talked about also uh, you're, you're a man of faith, you're a Christian. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your journey and how you came to know Christ and what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a Christian household. My mom was very religious. So we always, we always went to, went to church on Wednesday and Sunday. So there was a thing when I was younger called Awanas, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mm-hmm. when I was younger. So I was always going to that. On Wednesdays, I was probably like eight, nine, ten. So always grew up Christian household. And then as I got older, I kept on going. But I think what really came to light for me is that as my business is growing, you can have some negative mindsets, right? You got to realize that, all right, you thank God for all these things that, that do happen in your life, all these positives. But what people don't realize and what people don't really think about is that he can take it away on that same day. Every night, whenever I'm praying, thanking God for everything that he's given me. I'm also thanking him for what's to come and then what has, what he has, the journey that he has brought me down. So it's just really keeping that in the back of your mind whenever you're growing a business or in your relationships as well. It's making sure that you actually know that what's been given to you can be taken away the next day or the same day too. So it's always being appreciative to what God has given you. So go to church here in West Palm every Sunday. It's great. Yeah. If you guys have any other questions about that, I'm happy to dig into it. What, uh, yeah, what church do you go to? 
So it's just a small church. It's called First Baptist of Jupiter. Oh, okay. So, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. You said it is, it's interesting to me because it's like a lot of times when you have a relationship with God, he'll end up giving you something and seeing how you steward it. And if you take something from the Lord and you hold on to it too tight, he's not going to give you something else. But if you're willing to hold on to it and let it go as needed and not be obsessed with it, that he can trust you with more to steward over. So that's a very good point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's trying to give you something that you can't handle at the end of the day. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't put you in the best situation. Everything that's thrown your way is what he's made you up to be through this current present day for you to handle. So I think I could have said it better myself as you did. Yeah. And we talked about that. I know we talked about that, Wes, when we were, when we were interviewing you in regards to not holding on to things so tightly because of the understanding that, yes, everything we have comes from the Lord. And just like you said, Austin, it can be taken away at any moment. And it is hard. It's very hard to come to grips with that and come to terms with that, especially if God does start blessing you with things. And so this goes back to, again, starting any of these, starting these disciplines and these mindsets as early as you possibly can, because <laughs> starting with something little and really getting that in your head that, okay, this is not mine. I am a steward of this. And if it increases, wonderful. If it gets taken away, okay. And keeping that mindset as you grow and as you prosper, it's only going to make it better and easier for you in the long run. But no doubt it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. And we can only hope that we have the courage and the fortitude of somebody like Job to be able to accept if and when something like that does happen and still praise and bless God for everything. That's a really good, really good mentality that you have there. Uh, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just one thing I wanted to touch on is, all right, so God gives you so much by the end of the day, you need to be given back to. So I'm a strong believer is what you give, you get back tenfold, right? Everybody in entrepreneurship, they always say that. One thing that I've been doing and everybody can find their own way to give back, but I joined Big Brothers Big Sisters like a month ago. So I'm going through that whole process right now, but it's finding a way that you can actually give back, right? Because at the end of the day, God gives you so much, but what value are you bringing into this world too? So that I wanted to touch on. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And just briefly, if you don't mind, like how does the big brothers, big sisters program work? Yes. So usually it's children that have had a difficult upbringing, right? So could have some parents in jail or they could just, parents could be going through a divorce, things like that. So it just really depends. So there's, you got to go through an interview process. You submit applications to big brothers, big sisters. You have three referrals that they have to call and then you have to get fingerprinted from two different organizations. And then pretty much what happens is that they set up an interview. So it's about an hour long interview with somebody from Big Brothers, Big Sisters, they ask you about yourself, your upbringing, very detailed and in-depth questions about like your childhood, making sure they don't have anybody that doesn't fit their brand or their standard. And then from there, they pair you with a few different people. They say, hey, look, I think you would be a great fit for this person. If you're not comfortable with their background or where they live, just let them know and then it's not like the child is going to feel like denied because they don't let the child know until you say yes to them. So once you say yes to them, then it's up to you, but you want to at least spend an hour with them every two weeks or a month or no. Yeah. You pick them up from their house. You go out either. I go boating. So you go boating, go to the park, play basketball, watch a game. Really depends on their hobbies and your hobbies. Yeah. No, that's awesome. 
And yeah, that's super important. So I'm glad you brought that up. And there was a, we have a, <clears throat> a corresponding Facebook group for this podcast as well. And somebody in there had brought up earlier this week about giving and ideas and things like that. And there's some really good conversations in there, but one of the key suggestions in there, and I think Wes, we had talked about this with you as well, is finding something that you're, you know, find something that you're passionate about, right? And this can not only with giving, but really for anything, but for giving, find something that you're passionate about, find a cause that you're passionate about and let that be the focus of where you give. And it doesn't have to be financially. It can be something like big brothers, big sisters, where it's a time investment, which very well may be more, more important and more needed than a financial investment. But yeah, if you're looking for ways to give back in your community or whatever, just again, find something that, that really touches your heart or breaks your heart and go in on that. Again, it can be financial, it can be time, it can be so many different things, but it's super important to be able to give back as part of your faith and everything. And just like you said, blessings do come back because of that scripture that even says that. So it's super, super critical. So I'm glad that you brought that up and that you're doing something like that. Yeah. This has been great, Austin. You get a really, again, just a really very structured, very disciplined life. It shows and where you've gotten and where you are right now. She should be proud of what you accomplished here. And there's lots of really great tidbits and golden nuggets here for our audience. So people, please take a listen to this. Just so much good stuff here. To wrap it up, get into our last, our last closing segment here. We just want to ask you a couple of closing questions. So you mentioned one book already that had a big impact on you, Breaking the Habits of Being Yourself, which I'm going to look that up. But do you have, because we like to go in three. So we typically ask, do you have three books that have impacted your life in any of these areas? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. I'm reading a book right now that's really good. It's called Traction. So if you're owning any business right now, I highly recommend you, you pick up Traction because it breaks down the small details that you don't think about when you're starting a business as far as like values and like where you want to take the company, your 10-year goal. All these things that you think are like far off in the future, you need to like actually bring them into your realization today so that you can get to like where you want to go. So that's a great book. Try to think what else. Like I said, it's probably the, the original one that everybody always reads. We're sad for dad. Great book. Love that one. And then breaking the habit of being yourself too. So, so it's the three that I would recommend. Great. And then if you could pick three actionable or practical tips for our audience, could be in any of these areas that we discussed, but three actionable and practical tips that you'd like to leave them with. Yeah. So. The first one, figure out everything that you've ever wanted in this life, what your ideal life would look like, cars, money, uh, significant other, faith, freedom, traveling, and write all that down and write down how much money each one of those costs on a monthly basis. And that's your, get it out of the rat race, have everything that you ever wanted in your life number, get that down on a piece of paper and then figure out like, how do you actually get to that number? How much real estate you need to buy? How many clients you need to bring on? things like that. I think once you actually get it on paper and it's just not a thought, it's so much easier to achieve. So that's the first one that I would say. Second one, I would say, if you want to reach that first one, you need to implement 75, 75 hard. So you have that consistency and that discipline to actually hit those numbers because you become laser focused, pretty much tunnel vision on how to actually get there when you go into that program. And that's what, I, that's how I was able to build this co-hosting business so quickly because I was in 75 hard at the same time. The third one I would just say is figure out what your why is. Like, why do you want 
start this business? Why do you want to invest in real estate? And it needs to be a burning desire, like in your head at the end of the day. You actually have to like really want this has to be the most important thing to you in this entire life. And if that's the case, then there's no doubt in my mind that you'll achieve what you're looking for. Yeah. Beautiful. Those are very good tips. Again, thank you so much, Austin. Really great information. I think our audience is going to get a lot from this. And if they want to find you, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to find you and follow you? Yeah, you guys send a reach out to me on Instagram. It's my first and last name underscore. So Austin Palacios, A-U-S-T-I-N-P-A-L-A-C-I-O-S underscore. Then you can reach out to me on Instagram and I'll reply to you. And then as far as your co-hosting business, what's the best way for them to reach out to you on that? Yeah, it's just the Lux co-host, T-H-E Lux L-U-X-E, then co-host, C-O-H-O-H-O-S-T dot com, the Lux co-host. Damien's book co-host these days. <laughs> awesome. Great. So if anybody's looking for that, they can reach out to Austin and he can help you out. And one last thing, if you want really white tea, What's what what do you say? <laughs> oh, I need you. I need you. I'm going to send you an Amazon link to a crust white strips. I need you to put it in the show notes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> set up your, yeah. uh, set up your uh, affiliate link there. Yeah, first. exactly. <laughs> My English. Killing off of that. <laughs> very good. Very good. Thank you again, Austin. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, join us for the next episode. If you like what you hear, subscribe and rate us. Talk to you guys next week. All right. Oh.